My name is Matt Brown. And by that time, Mad Max, and that dude's like a hornet in your outhouse, man. That dude is a problem. And let's start the show. You're going to get an opportunity today, okay? Let's go now. What's going on, everybody? The world is a better place because you are here to join us. My name is Matt Brown, and I am the host of the Productive Conversations podcast. It is Wednesday, November 8th, 2023. I feel amazing after a difficult week being sick last week, but we are here. We are feeling good, and we are getting back into our groove and having our mojo return as well. So we have a very good show for you to discuss Week 9 in the National Football League, look ahead to Week 10, talk about all the crazy games that took place, and there were a lot of them. There were lots of highlights, there were a lot of stars being made, and there was a lot of football to talk about, or I should say there is a lot of football to talk about. So before we get into that, before we have a lot of fun on this productive conversation regarding the National Football League, I just want to remind you to like and subscribe to the Productive Conversations podcast on all podcasting platforms and YouTube. And don't forget to check out exclusive content regarding this show across all social media platforms. We're on Instagram at Productive Conversations Podcast, Twitter and X at Prog Pod. We're on TikTok at Productive Conversations and Facebook at Productive Conversations. So last week was brutal. Absolutely brutal for me. We were able to get two shows in, but so I guess I was fine on to uh, recording Tuesday night for our Wednesday show last week, week eight of the NFL. And then towards the end, I was just getting cold-like symptoms. Wednesday, I was knocked out. Could I worked, but I wasn't able to do our college football show. So we have some things to make up for tomorrow. And then Thursday, I thought I was fine. And then you could see as the show progressed, I got worse. My condition was deteriorating and, you know, there's me on the internet looking like I'm bawling my eyes out crying, but I was actually having like an allergy cold attack at the same time, but we're fine now. I don't know what the heck happened. I think it's from the intense, and I mean literally intense temperature drop from uh, last week, hollow week, it was up to the seventies and eighties and it got as low as 32 degrees below freezing up in the Northeast. My body was just not ready for it. And I had a mean cold for a week. I mean, I had to cancel a lot of plans. I canceled some dates. I obviously canceled the pod. I, I canceled, uh, hanging out with friends. I did go to my brother's game and whether that was a right or wrong decision, I don't know. I was at the tail end of my cold, but, um, you know, we went to Staten Island, saw Wagner have a tough loss against Duquesne University, but we had my family, my aunt came, my, uh, unofficial aunt of the family, and, you know, we went to eat pizza in Staten Island in Nino's, which is fantastic, and even when I was sick and I couldn't taste the amazing food, I still enjoyed the vibe. But that's what I was dealing with pretty much until today. I'm still here and there, so I'm pretty sure I'll be truly 100% by the end of the week. But I do feel good, and I'm appreciative of good health. And yeah, 
now we are just ready to roll. And what worked out this weekend pretty much was recovering all weekend when I wasn't um, in Staten Island. And I just watched football. And um, this was a very crucial week as we literally hit the halfway point. And there was a lot of big matchups to get into. And I'm very excited to talk about it and maybe start some team eulogies, unfortunately. And that will include my New York Giants. So... We have a lot to discuss. We have a very big show for you. Week 9 in the NFL season. So let's rock and roll. Here we go. This is a very productive conversation. Week 9 in the NFL is in the books. And guess what? It was a great week 9. Insane game after insane game after insane game. And you know what? We are separating the good teams from the great teams. The bad teams are having their eulogies. And we are about to have a fantastic show from it. So Alex and Bars are here. Nico will join us shortly. What's up, guys? What up? What's going on? What's going on? I have a lot to get into. Um, I've... uh. Had a lot of accepting of things to go through this week. So guess what? We're going to have a fun show with this. So where do I go? As I mentioned, we're at the halfway point. We now see who's a legit team and who's a poser. And I guess let us start with the poser team. So we said last week the Las Vegas Raiders, Raiders are in shambles and they need a change. Well, Literally, as soon as we dropped that episode, they made that change. Mark Davis cleaned house. He fired Josh McDaniels. He fired his general manager. They bring in Antonio Pierce. And uh, the Raiders have some life. The New York Giants do not have life. And uh, they continue to stay as a joke. And guess what? In Las Vegas on Sunday afternoon, 425, the Las Vegas Raiders pummeled the New York Giants by a score of 37 to 3. And <laughs> where do I start here? You know what? I'll first give it to the uh, Raiders fan. Talk to me about this win and the major changes and the performance of your team with Aiden O'Connell coming in. And then I will... I have a lot, and then I have a lot to say about the New York Giants. Well, they pretty much had a full-fledged dominant W in spite of uh, McDaniel's, and uh, they look like a brand new team. I have no idea what Antonio Pierce is going to be, but it looks like they're all uh, they're all on board right out the gate. Um, so, very nice win. Happy to see it. All right, I see. Uh, I see. Antonio Pierce is the former Giant, right? That's right. He's the starting right linebacker for Super Bowl, Super Bowl 42, one of my favorite players growing up. Um, had a great uh, high school career, went up the ranks, coached at Arizona, uh, Arizona State, and was a linebacker's coach coming into it. And here's who we have now. We have the uh, interim head coach starting 1-0 and against the uh, Giants this week. It's, 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 a, it's one of those love-hate things, right? Because as a fan... You love to see a former a former um, player excel, you know, and succeed in his life after football, like after after being a player. But it sucks that you know he got to do it to his own team, you know, in his first game. But um, it was a good game. It was a good game for the Raiders. Uh, bad loss for the Giants, but we'll we'll see we'll see what's going on for the end of the season with them. Um, 
DeVito looked strong. You know, he had two interceptions. It, it is what it is, you know. But um, uh, furthermore, this is a good game for the Raiders. Like, we, we've been saying it. They needed that win. Um, let's kind of just see what it goes to after that. Like, you know, we'll see what it goes to from here. Where does it go through from here for the New York Giants? Where does it go? Giants are two and seven. And they have officially put the nail in the coffin after losing to this pathetic Raiders team. Hey, they might have something to change. They finally unlocked their potential because they really do have some great players on that roster. And I give them credit and seeing them celebrate with those cigars. You know what? They earned it. Luckily, they were able to beat this inept team who totally proved after this particular week that it's all over. I already eulogized this Giants team yesterday. I'm sorry, last week. And guess what? My point becomes stronger and this team looks like even more of a joke. By the way, the 30 score is 37 to 6, not 37 to 3. But the big thing here with Brian Dayball clearly trying to test our patience as Giants fans. Daniel Jones is put back in the game. Daniel Jones wasn't looking too good. He tripped over his lineman. He was limping. Coach said, are you okay, Daniel? Of course Daniel's going to say okay. This injury-prone player. And what happens in this game? Nobody's around him. He's stepping back. He falls he tears his ACL. Season over. Wow. First, from Brian Dayball's ineptitude looking like it's striking once again. Well, let's just say good good luck to you. You have one more year to turn it around, so I will worry about you later, Dayball. But for Daniel Man. Jones. Man, yep. real quick. If you were if you were if you were in that front office, would you give him a year? Yes, this dude is the reigning coach of the year. This dude, and here's why I will explain my points. And um, I'll explain. But Brian Debo at least deserves next year. Even if he, maybe if he loses every single game by 30 points, then we can relieve him from his duties. But until then, he gets another year. But here's the thing I am very sad to report about with Daniel Jones' injury. Daniel Jones, there's a good chance you may never see Daniel Jones start another game for the New York Giants. The man can have his contract revoked by the end of the year. He's guaranteed that $41 million all you crazy people complain about as if it's your own money. Who cares? These franchises are worth billions of dollars. They're fine. But Daniel Jones is gone. Daniel Jones might not be a giant ever again. Because it makes sense. They're going to have a high draft pick, and we have a deep quarterback class. And you know what? The Giants should focus on the future and get a new franchise quarterback. And all I can say, and for somebody who's made a specific Daniel Jones video that he's going to do well this year, I was clearly wrong. But for you scumbags, for you heartless MFers out there celebrating this what you call a victory of him losing his season, you should go to hell. And the thing with Daniel Jones, if I never see him play for the Giants again, what's sad is we never saw his full potential. This man went through three different head coaches, went through four different horrible offensive lines. The man broke his neck twice, clearly tears his ACL. This man kept getting up and fighting and fighting and fighting. And unfortunately, his body literally gave out. 
So all I want to say before we move on, I am so sad that Daniel Jones will never show his full potential. I really think he had the skill with him. And sure, he used his legs all the time, which made him more of a target to have his body break down earlier than others. But what a damn shame that Daniel Jones will never get to show his potential. If anyone has anything to rebuttal, I would love to hear it. But terrible, absolutely terrible. Terrible, terrible way to go out. No, I got no rebuttal. I almost, I damn near forgot he tore his ACL. Like I literally, I literally forgot. So I'm just be like, you know, shout out to the, shout out to Daniel Jones. Hope he makes it like, you know, a good, strong recovery. I could see him playing, um, like, you know, eventually having a comeback on a different team, different scheme. You know how it goes for some players, but, uh, you know, yeah. It is what it is. Injuries happen in this game. Let's just hope he can bounce back. Like, he just bounced back strong from this. And I feel like, uh, is it me or is it like a real injury-prone injury prone season this year? Like, real injury-heavy. Yes, 10 quarterbacks have been – 10 started quarterbacks have been injured this year. That's about a third. Shit. And, yeah, this is a violent game, boys, as you know. So, unfortunately, Daniel Jones is next there. I guess Tommy DeVito will – it is easier to sell this fans on tanking with Tommy DeVito out there. And uh, I think genuinely believe my youngest brother who plays division one quarterback could do better than him, but it is what it is. It is a sad day to be a giants fan, but it, it looks like a change is coming. And nice. again, with Brian Dayball staying and Joe Shane, they can actually pick a quarterback and develop him from the start. That's the one reason why Dayball will probably stay is that GM. So let us ride it out. But why don't we talk about another quarterback who is having the complete opposite issues as Daniel Jones. His name is CJ Stroud. CJ Stroud had five touchdowns and threw 470 passing yards. And there was a point in the Bucks and Texans game where the Texans won 39 to 37. Sorry, the Bucks, the Texans won 39 to 37. He had 44 seconds to go down by three. And guess what? C.J. Stroud made it with ease. Great win for the Texans. C.J. Stroud is making a case that he is a top 10 quarterback in this league already with over 20 touchdowns, not one pick. He's only a rookie with poise, and he's getting better and better and better. Talk to me about C.J. Stroud and if you were impressed or not. I was definitely impressed talk about like honestly probably the best game or one of the best games because i think there's one more game that like was pretty fucking nail biting if not this one but this might have been number one in my opinion because like it was like like baker was actually playing he was slinging them shits like he was throwing them touchdowns like I was like kind of like locked in. I'm kind of like, damn, what's gonna happen? And it's a fucking buccaneer. <clears throat> it's a uh it's a it's a flipping Buccaneers uh uh Texas Houston uh, Houston Houston Texans game. I'm like, what's going on right now? But it was amazing. Like it was this was this was like the highest scoring game of the week, I think. Like gunslinging. Shot for shot, punch for punch, pound for pound. They were doing it. C.J. Stroud showed he ain't folding under pressure. He t- like he did it to the Steelers. 
He did it to a few other teams. Um, he, what you said, no picks. He only has one interception this year out of in his first nine starts. And over 20 touchdowns. That ratio right there speaks for him in itself. And uh, D'Amico Ryans is doing a great job with that team. Like, you got to shout out, like, that organization. Um, Baker knew that he had to win this game, so he actually literally came to play. Um, shout out to the running back. He got two touchdowns for them. Mike Evans might have hit that that um, that 11,000 mark. Um, but good God, yo. You can't take shit. You can't take anything away from CJ Stroud. He played amazing. Like it was, it was uh, five touchdowns. Like thirty more yards. Just to think, thirty more yards. That's five hundred. That's like a hundred yards a touchdown. If you really want to do it, like mm-hmm. come on. It was the most for a rookie quarterback. Broke a record. Yeah, and he spread the wealth around. I think he had seven different targets too. It was just an amazing offensive output. Um, they took they took advantage of you know a, a weak Bucks defense, and it was a shootout. Um, I thought that he really kept composure on that final drive. Uh, took advantage of the defense, and it was a heavy penalized game on both sides. But uh, they they prevailed. Yeah, they what prevailed. We're not talking about, sorry, what we're ta- we're not talking about is he managed to distribute the ball to three different receivers for over 100 yards, one for 150 and one for 130. And his main target, Nico Collins, only only went for like 54. Yo, he, the, yo, this was a game. This was a game. Yeah, C.J. Stroud is him. And the best thing you could get out of that was the, the pressure, the pressure. He was poised. I knew that he would be able to get that touchdown easily. Like you could have, you should have put a bet on the money line right in that last 44 seconds down by three or was it down by five, whatever the number was, but um, incredible stuff. And like I said, I will argue CJ Stroud's a top 10 quarterback already in his first nine starts. Anyone like, want to oppose that or talk to me, Matt, like you tell him you're not watching that game. Like literally coming down to the nail biting seconds. Like, damn, like, like this game is crazy right now. Like, it was the best game, right? And I gotta be tripping. Am I bugging? No, you're not bugging. It's you separate the good players from the great players. I mean, I'm not gonna say he's going to Canton already, but he surely, if he has uh starts like these, um, we're gonna see a special player. And for somebody who probably out of all the quarterbacks coming into the NFL this year. I think he got the least amount of, uh, for lack of a better word, respect. People are afraid of his test scores or um, his composure, and yet he's played the best out of everybody. I'm going to do the research. I'm going to find the stats, but this has got to be the best outing for, by a rookie quarterback first. Like in a, in, It is. In a it's long- a rookie passing record. He was able to accomplish that after like, Andrew um, Luck. So, And he, um, if he didn't retire, he was a special player. And yeah, I, I was just talking about luck the other day and how good luck was. I wish he stayed. I wish he stayed and played because I can see him going to a different team and thugging it out, getting at least two chips. Exactly, but life's pretty crazy in that in that sense. But shouts to C.J. Stroud and the Texans' huge win for them. And now let's talk about the New York Jets. Let me read you a quote from Troy Aikman that was said in the game. <laughs> Troy Aikman said, "Quotes." For as good as this group is, for them to not get a chance to do something real... Sorry, let me restart that. 
Troy Aikman said during Monday Night Football, Chargers and Jets. Chargers defeated the Jets 27 to 6. Troy Aikman, you know, Hall of Fame quarterback, he says, for as good as this group is, for them not to get a chance to do some really special things with this team because an offense can't score a touchdown, pretty maddening. And what is that in response to? A terrible Zach Wilson game once again. Arguably the biggest game of the year for the Jets to really separate themselves and make a run for a playoff spot. You know, they messed up. They crapped the bed. They had they gave up six sacks. Zach Wilson held the ball too long. Zach Wilson tried to be Aaron Rodgers and be a hero, and he didn't step up. And the Chargers defense, which has been criticized, only ate him up all game long. Chargers get back to 500, and the Jets really have a quarterback problem now. I don't know. We, we know about Aaron Rodgers. We see all the rumors about him making an early return from his Achilles injury. But you really need to consider putting somebody else in there. You are wasting this amazing defense. And, you know, Jets gave up points on special teams. They weren't able to get the turnovers this week. But regardless, this is still a top five defense. And you're wasting it. And look at what's happening here. The Jets have to go to either Tim Boyle or Trevor Simeon. Am I right? I would have been jumped to Simeon. I would have been hit to Simeon. Like switch. Hey, uh, uh, where you at, buddy? I just got to let you know that they, they, like Zach Wilson is still mm-hmm. not the guy. Like, it, it's just, it's just, he hasn't been. Like, it's just madness. Like they said, it's madness that they could hold Justin Herbert to 163 yards and still lose yep. by 21 points. Like, it's, that's, they, they, it, you can't, you can't, you can't statistics don't even show how that don't even make sense. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's wild. Like, they're giving Kenny Pickett, like, all this nonsense about his performance. And Justin Herbert threw for 163 yards. Zach Wilson threw for 263 and still couldn't get the job done. So I'll say all that to say I hope Aaron Rodgers doesn't come back early because I want, like, yeah, it was a good, it was a big injury. It was the beginning of the season. Yeah, he can come back. But no, take this time, work out, come back nice and strong. If y'all finish at the bottom tier of the NFL, take that high draft pick. If you end up getting it, get yourself more weapons to throw the ball to. Or Marvin Harrison to like- Jr. from Ohio State. If he's uh, if he's uh, wherever at they're at. Now, the Jets should still compete for a playoff position at the point where they're at. But yeah, the sure. worst case scenario, I agree with you. Maybe it's time to get the... Um, more weapons that tight end from Georgia blanking on his name. Who is he? He could be a viable option. So let's let's bring out let's bring out Aaron Rodgers next season, fresh, healthy, maybe not as young, but he won't have that end of the season wear and tear where he's trying to hustle and bustle, trying to get to the playoffs or just so he could possibly maybe give them a shot. But who knows? Maybe he come back, get comeback season, comeback player of the year, wild stuff, craziness. They get to the playoffs. You, you, Cinderella story. Who knows? It's the NFL. This game, this this game is changing weekly, and we see all types of craziness. Um, so I don't know. That's just my take. I think it boils down to the three fumbles. That's all you need to know. 
Yes, and a lot of butterfingers as well for the Jets' weapons out there. But I think this particular game shows once and for all that Zach Wilson is as good as he gets and as maybe an average quarterback, if anything. I don't think Zach Wilson is on the track to be a great quarterback in this league. And this would have been the game to prove it, and he didn't step up when he was supposed to. Big L, man, big L. Like, it is what it is for Zach. Big L, indeed. The offense looked lethargic, man. You got to wake your boys up. Get them in the game. I know. Alex, you're all quiet. What What else do you have to say about this? No, I just think it was a really simple game. It just boiled down to turnovers. Um, Jets can't move the ball, and Chargers just took advantage of short field. So. I see, I see. Well, Chargers can uh, ride with this victory here. Jets have some things to figure out going into uh, their game on Monday night against the Raiders. So we had our first Frankfurt, Germany game this week. International Series continues, and you have the marquee matchup of the Kansas City Chiefs and the Miami Dolphins. The Chiefs almost blew a 21-point lead in the second half, but the Dolphins come up just short, and even even though the Chiefs aren't off the hook exactly either, made some very terrible decisions offensively, but um, they still are able to get the win, even with uh, showing that the Chiefs definitely still have a receiver problem. And guess what? The trade deadline has passed, so they can't fix that. And uh, not using Kelsey that much. Kelsey was MIA in this game. But I really found this game really disappointing for the Dolphins. The big fact here is the Dolphins are 6-0 against teams under 500 and 0-3 against teams above 500. So what really is this team? And if they were able to pull off this comeback victory against the reigning Super Bowl champions, you would feel comfortable about that the Dolphins are a top team in the NFL. But this loss shows maybe they are a tier below. Talk to me about how disappointing this was for the Dolphins. It was very disappointing. I had higher anticipation, higher expectations going into the league, going into the season. I thought they would be um, a bigger, better offense than we saw today. 0-3 against plus 500 teams um, just means that you're not ready to win in January. So, um, obviously, they couldn't cap off the comeback, but you don't want to dig yourself in that type of hole, especially on the road uh, technically as well. So, um, just, you know, just a bummer, but – they gotta, uh, they gotta bounce back um, against my team next week. So we'll see what happens. Um, it's a disappointing loss for the Dolphins, definitely, um, because I feel like this is an underproductive Chiefs team, and I feel like they could have easily handled these guys. I had them slated to win this game actually, um, but like you said, they're zero and three against teams above five hundred, and if you look at those teams the Bills, the Eagles, like the Jaguars. These are teams that they're going to have to face in the playoffs. You know what I'm saying? Oh, I'm sorry, not the Jaguars. Sorry, the Chiefs, the Bills, and the Eagles. These are teams that they're going to have to face in the playoffs. And the Eagles, if they make it to the Super Bowl, you know what I'm saying? Because I'm thinking the Eagles are probably going to be the best bet for the NFC right now. But, you know what I'm saying? If they can't if they can't get those, like, past those hurdles, then it's, it's just looking sad for them right now. 
So right now it looks like there are a lot of flash, a lot of flare, but no substance. A lot of flash, a lot of flare, no substance indeed, Mr. The God. And um <laughs> that's just the God. <laughs> but yeah, I think one thing that helps, it looks like hard name to pronounce. The running back a con a con. Akon. Akon. A Chan, a Chan. A Chan comes back this week. It's looking like he's coming off IR. You could have him as a strong road by, by committee by with Raheem Mostert. That could in, enhance the running game. That could be a solid weapon for them moving forward. Um, Has been so far. Respect the fact that they were, the Dolphins defense was able to hold the Chiefs to just 21 points and not giving up a single point in the second half. That's big. So there's clearly stuff in there to improve on. But yes, if the playoffs started this week, they'd be in trouble. But I do think with a whole second half of the season left, this team can be good enough to make adjustments to make a run again. And and with and with performances like this, we need to start holding Patrick Mahomes accountable. Like, yeah, you win in the game, but eh, you're looking a little shaky, bub. Like, no points in the second half. And then... In that same breath, I didn't get to do it last one, so I'm gonna make it real quick. Hold Justin Herbert too. Hold that. Hold him. Hold that brother accountable because it's eh, he looking a little shaky, even though you got the dub. Yeah. Right. I think with the Chiefs, with Mahomes' down year as a whole, the Chiefs are a great defense with a really good quarterback, and that's it. And the, the Chiefs, similarly with the Jets, they have receivers who you can't trust to catch the ball. If, um, you know, if Kelsey specifically has a bad game, that could derail everything on that offense. Luckily, they were able to to not have that happen to them this past week. But it's it's really, it's it's still a mystery with the Chiefs. Still don't think they are as dominant as they're supposed to be. Good chance they will still be able to be the number one seed and get the first round by and home field advantage, but you have to figure out ways to, to win, whether it's to lean more on the defense with, like I said, the unique problem is a lot of great defensive teams usually have bad quarterbacks. Look at the jets, but um, maybe the chiefs are unique in that sense that they have the good quarterback as well. So um, probably should you res- facilitate Rashid Rice some more and um He's probably, I think there's a good chance he becomes a special player. So far, so good. He just doesn't get a lot of touches. But when he does, he gets yards and he gets touchdowns. So the Chiefs clearly have something in there as well. So both of these teams can vastly improve and we'll ultimately see where they are going. On the flip side, the Eagles and the Cowboys played a pretty entertaining game on Sunday night. Or sorry, Sunday afternoon and tonight. Dak came up just short, throws a Hail Mary. C.D. Lamb catches it, and they miss it on the one-yard line. It could have been an insane victory on the road, but guess what? The Eagles win. Jason Kelsey yells in yells in defensive players' faces, and yeah, Eagles go into a bye with a lot of momentum. And I don't trust Dak Prescott in a big game. Despite a couple playoff wins in the regular season, at least, he comes up a little short. Talk to me about the Cowboys in this game against the Eagles. Oh, I was going to let Bars go first. But, uh, <clears throat> no, I mean, I think 
you know, it was, it was a tough way to end the game. I thought they had multiple chances at the end to uh, to come back and seal this game. But if you're Dallas, but at the at the the reality is that this team's just not. They're just not a very good football team. Like I know they're five and three. They're playing in a weaker NFC, but outside of Micah Parsons, like this offense is very, very haphazard, very anemic. Um, I think Dak shows up and shows out when he wants to, but he has no business throwing 45 times in a game like this. When you look across the field and Jalen Hurts is only throwing 23 times and um, he's keeping the game clean. He's not turning the ball over. So I just think that it was a better game plan for Philly. Um, They, came up, you know, they came up clutch on defense in tight situations in that fourth quarter, even though they got outscored, but they took care of business at home. And uh, um, the last thing they could want, honestly, Philly is um, going into a bye on a hot momentum like this. So let's see how they, they bounce back when they get out of the, out of the bye. Um, yeah, it was like, I, I agree with you, uh, Matt. I don't trust Dak at all. And I agree with your take, too, on that, Alex. Like, Jalen Hurts just made the game look much more clean um, when he was when he was playing at that position. I, I don't trust Dak. I've never trusted Dak. He ain't throwing any interceptions, but I still don't trust him to actually go out there, clutch up, and win that game. Like, he doesn't have any big games under his belt. Um, that would have been a really good one for him right there. That would have showed him that – like, that would have proved that, all right, cool. Like, we're beating these teams, but when it comes to those big, heavy hitters, those contenders, we're, like, we could take them out if needed. So, yeah. Yeah, Dak, Dak, whether holding on to the ball too long, throwing into double coverage, not using Tony Pollard. I mean, he yeah. his his use has been decreased week after week after week. Massively. Greatest disrespect I've seen in the NFL. Yeah, uh, I, I, it's the the Cowboys are doomed, as you mentioned earlier this year. Bar, Cowboys usually like to start off hot in the in the Dak Prescott era, and as the season progresses, get worse and worse. And then you have a team like the Eagles, which again, compared to a gritty win against Washington last week, and they're just this is what separates a really good team to a championship winning team. You win the games that matter the most and the closest one. And things really worked out for them, even with the few mistakes they had. Jalen Hurts getting banged up a bit. The Eagles really didn't get phased at all. That's what really impresses me against this team, impresses me about this team. And I I expect them to, as you said, there's a good chance you will see them again win the NFC. So we will see how their journey goes. Then we go into Sunday night where the Bengals defeated the Bills by a score of 24-18. It first looked like it was going to be a shootout between Josh Allen and Joe Burrow, and then Joe Burrow just ran away with it. <laughs> it was 348 yards, a couple of tutties, and the uh, Bengals get a huge win at home. Very, very big win at home. Guess what? The Bills are 5-4. and four. Who saw that coming coming into uh, this year? The Bills, um, even though they got some players back on defense, Von Miller's back, but they still have some holes. Yet, that doesn't really explain um, Josh Allen's erratic behavior again. Um, Diggs, even, Diggs wasn't uh, balling as he should. Um, Gabe Davis was nothing, literally non-existent in the game. 
Uh, seems that he really likes Dalton Kincaid, but um, the rookie tight end could only do so much. Uh, I it's a mystery we talk about every week with the Bills. Like, there's a good chance now this team might not make the playoffs, and then a team like the Bengals, even without using Jamar Chase's J- Jamar Chase, you know, had a bad game for him. They were still able to to win. Like these two teams right here, clearly the Bengals have the best potential. Yeah, okay. uh, I I definitely agree. I can definitely like like we've been saying it. The Bills have been highly inconsistent, highly inconsistent. They 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 look like they're good when they win in these games, but when they lose, you can really really see all the holes. You know what I'm saying? Um, the Bengals started off kind of shaky. Now they're picking it up. I'm still not sold on them yet, but I definitely see them making the playoffs over the Bills. That AFC North is all above 500, so yep. it's a little scary. Um, it's gonna be, it's gonna be that AFC North is that AFC is looking crazy this year. But I definitely don't see the Bills sneaking it in. Maybe they could turn it around when they fix, they get a couple pieces back, and once they can fix their little offensive woes and Josh Allen can stop hitting the pipe. Everything will be all good. Yeah, I think Bills just caught since he had a bad time. I think they're starting to get hot. Um, I mean, we talked about the Bills not anticipating them being five and four at this juncture, but I didn't expect since he to open one and three either. So I think this is just a league of riding highs and riding lows. And, um, you know, if the Bills want to course correct, they got to get away from being so dependent on Josh Allen. And uh, since you just keep doing more of what they're doing, just keep it rolling. Keep it rolling, indeed. That's all we can ask for as we have Nico joining the conversation. Um, so he's still adjusting his his equipment. So we will transition that and discuss the Steelers and the Titans on Thursday night. Close game. And Will Levis could play. Maybe came up a little too short. He was almost able to have a successful two-minute drill. But the Steelers almost blew it. They need more assuring victories. But how about Will Levis, guys? He's pretty impressive, right? And it was announced that he will be starting moving forward. Tannen Hill is the backup. Do, do the Titans now have their franchise quarterback in Will Levis? Yo, stop that. Stop that. Put some respect on my team real quick. What do you mean we almost blew it? We caught the interception. <laughs> you almost blew it. And we if, caught um, the interception he got, yes. If uh and there was also an interception pulled back, but if they weren't able to make that push, if they yes, went a little differently, and if Will Levis wasn't playing the uh, you know, trigger the trigger happy quarterback, it could have been a lot different. I mean, his one interception. I'll give him that. Him and D Hop made a, was was connecting crazy that um but you gotta give credit to that Steelers defense for making Will Levitz really uncomfortable. That game could have been That's totally true. different. You that that game really could have been totally different. Um I won't say I we had throwing woes. Uh George Pickens. Um well first of all finally got his touchdown. Um, no, that's Deontay Johnson. Sorry, Deontay Johnson was the one who got Finally got his touchdown after almost two calendar years. But real quick, like you said, Will Levis, right? Let's touch on that. Man had a strong game. Like, even though it was a loss, this is a second, this is a, this is a second game where you threw for over 200 yards, didn't get a tutty, but had 
really good numbers outside of that pick and that which came at the end of the game, you know, while he was trying to win them. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. so you got to look at it like um, seriously, Will Levis looks good. And him being the starting quarterback, sorry, Ryan Tannehill, used to be big, strong on him. But you see how he's falling off. Will Levis is really good. The Steelers, Kenny Pickett need to pick it up. And George Pickens needs to tighten up because you can still see the youth in him and all of that. And you can see that with his IG and how he's like, you know, free me and all of that. This is the this, this is the young player woes. Really? You know what I'm saying? Like, you get, like, sometimes you get trapped in the sweatshop. Sometimes you break free. Like right now, it like Matt Canada on the on the sideline. He, he finally got out the booth. First time in like three years. You see the offense pick up a little bit. They score in the first half. They actually don't go three and out on the first drive. The Steelers, the Steelers is a very weird team. And I'll agree with that. Do I see us winning the Super Bowl this year? F no. Big F no. But if they can keep tightening it up like this, Kenny Pickett got hurt last game. And he came into this one, I know, a little slightly banged up. He overthrew a couple couple of his receivers. But if they can fix that, tighten up, um, Matt Canada can continue to be on the, the line, working with his players, getting stuff tightened up. I think we got a good offense, and I think we can really turn it around. And not have you saying that we almost given games away when we locked that up. <laughs> What's the Giants looking like? Oh, the Giants are gone. The Giants are going are on their way to a top five pick. But man, throughout the season though, Bars, don't you think that the Steelers could at least have some more dominant victories to Hell have yeah. you have that confidence to uh as the season moves forward? That's what I'm I mean, saying here. I mean, hell yeah, we need more dominant wins. Like, what is this like fifty seven games almost going on like with, with no four hundred yard games? We can't keep doing that if we really want to win a Super Bowl. We can't keep doing that if we want to get out the first round. So making it to the playoffs will mean what? If we can't throw for at least three, if we can't get at least 400 combined yards, not even just, you don't got to throw for 400, at least run for like 150 and throw for the rest, like or something, anything. But like, I mean, Canada's offense proved to not be as stagnant as we thought it was. So... It showed a little bit of bite. Um, now they're now they're pointing the finger at Kenny Pickett. If he could tighten up, then I have some faith in my offense. If if not, I still got faith in my defense. You know what I'm saying? T.J. Watt, Alex Highsmith, Keanu Benton looking like a beast out there. Joey Porter Jr. locking it down. Wait till yeah. we get Corey, wait till we get Corey Trice back off of injury. Well, yeah, I mean you can feel comfortable winning one one way like leaning on that defense and just riding it not turning the ball over but like you said the caps on it like you can't play from behind and you're going to be a first round out if you do make the playoffs because you you got it you got to start putting up points um at some point so unlocking that offense is going to take some time but you're starting to get there um with the Titans, I don't really have much to say. Like, they're just a bad team. They're in full rebuild. I don't mind them riding Will Levis. He's going to get better week by week as long as he doesn't get too gun-shy. Um, I would start to wholesale a little bit, you know, preserve Derrick Henry if you got to, you know, just bring down the reps a little bit. But it's just a bad team in the in a AFC South that's ascending too. So um, they're kind of in a weird crosshairs right now as an organization, Tennessee. But Pittsburgh, you know, Props, they're keeping their head above water in the AFC North and uh, 
they played a conservative game, but that's how they know how to win an offense. So I get it. And, but uh, you're right. I think Will Levis has a great future ahead. Man has a great arm. The man, his, uh, as, as long as he gets a little more confidence, I'm sure that, um, he's going to be all right. And he almost won that. So, and he definitely going to keep right. D hop around. He's definitely <laughs> going to keep D hop around. Yes. Make that prop for him. And, um, we'll continue on with the Ravens and the Seahawks. Ravens routes the Baltimore Ravens route the Seahawks by a score of 37 to three defense worked Lamar Jackson and the team. All right. Let me start. The Ravens are one of the best teams in the AFC. Even with some injuries on offense, they're able to score points. Lamar Jackson's able to make solid throws and play in the pocket. Clearly, no matter who they put at running back, your Gus Johnsons, your Edwards, and, you know, this guy, Keaton Mitchell, who had a hell of a fantasy day and um, helped this win, plus a defense who is able to shut teams down and um, things are working them, working for the Baltimore Ravens. I'm going to take the place for Hayden in here that Lamar Jackson, I think as long as this team plays the way they are, they could get playoff wins. This is an amazing team right now. And um, watch out for the Baltimore Ravens is what I have to say right now. Do you agree? Yeah, sadly enough. I, I've been I've been dreading this take all night. Sadly enough, I do agree with you. Um, the Ravens are looking really strong. They probably, they might take um the AFC North. Um, but they gotta they gotta they gotta beat the Jaguars, in my opinion, who still have the best shot to take the AFC in my book if they get to if they get top teams. Okay. Yeah. Um but for the North, the Ravens are taking the AFC North if they keep playing like this. Um and it makes you kind of wonder, like, how do you get those losses that you do have? You know, playing like this. Like, but it's football and teams teams rise up every week, so yeah, it's a bad. It's a really, 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 really bad beat for the Seahawks. Really bad beat for the Seahawks. But you know, the Ravens played a really good game. The Eda, yeah, we I mean, have Nico. Is uh, sorry to interrupt, Alex, but we have Nico coming in. Um, what's up, Nico? Great to hear from you. Right, glad to be here. I'm um, sorry I'm a little late. You know, tied up at work, but uh, ready for a great episode. You guys already got it rolling. I hope. Oh, of course. Yeah. We're on Ravens and Seahawks now. Didn't mean to interrupt you, Alex. You were about you were saying? They thought I was going to be eating crawl on this take, but uh, no. Nah, I mean, they're riding hot. I'm not going to crown them yet because I think Cincy is starting to ascend, and I think that Cincy has Baltimore's number historically. But they played a great game. Lamar played conservatively. The only stat I needed to know is that they outrushed and they they rushed more than they passed, which was pretty hilarious. Um, they almost had. Uh, darn near 300 yards on the ground, but they were hyper efficient. Six of 13 on third down, uh, dominated time of possession, you know, 40 to 20 minutes. And um, they just, they just played a clean game. They took advantage of, you know, a team that we always said that if you're a West team, West coast team going on one o'clock, never bet on it. And that was kind of what I expected from this performance from Seattle. It was pretty anemic. So, Lucky for you, quick. next Thursday, the 16th, we have the Bengals and the Ravens. Bengals yep. are hosting the Ravens, so that should be a good test. You were yeah, saying, Bars? Yeah, real quick to add on to that. It, it comes back to what we were talking about 
earlier in the season, right? It don't matter who the like. We asked if um the running back going down early in the season was going to affect it. No. Yeah, J.K. Dobbs. No, no, it's not. Dobbins. Um, and look what happens. The, no matter who they're putting at running back, he's scoring. Nico, no. what what are your thoughts on Ravens and Seahawks on either side? Um, yeah, I was just very impressed with the Ravens' performance. Like Alex mentioned, um, it's very tough for a West Coast team to come in at one o'clock and play in those um, it, like East Coast matchups. But uh, I, I really like Baltimore in this game, even going into the week. The line told me a lot. Seattle being arguably not a powerhouse, but one of the better teams in the NFC. Um, the odds makers set that line at seven for a reason, and Baltimore proved why that line was so high on Sunday. Um, Shots off to the Ravens, man. Harbaugh got that team rolling, and they're a scary team. Arguably, with how bad, not bad, I'm not going to say the Chiefs were playing bad, the Ravens are arguably the best team in the AFC right now at this point. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I think that they, I think right now that they are poised and it could not get any better for them. You you should be really excited if you're a Baltimore fan. And even Odell Beckham finally got his touchdown for whatever that means. Maybe him being happy can help. Yeah, All right. This is a good time to talk about the Vikings and the Falcons. If you're the Falcons, you have to hate Arthur Smith. But if you're the Vikings, like, wow. First of all, your fifth round starting quarterback comes in, gets hurt. Josh Dobb comes in. He's only been on the team for five days after getting traded amongst the Kirk Cousins trade. And they just go in. The Falcons were were definitely testing them going back and forth. But ultimately, Josh Dobbs leads them to victory. But first things first, how did the Falcons screw this up? Talk to me first, Nico, on this. Like, sub to, I do no doubt give credit to Josh Dobbs with this win. I mean, he's literally throwing a receiver he doesn't even know the names of. But you also have to hand it to the Falcons. They played pretty poorly. They're not using Bijan Robinson for whatever reason. And um, I feel this was more of a Falcons given the game, but still props to the Vikings taking advantage. Yeah, no, I mean, absolutely. I, I I agree with what you said, too. Like, what is where is Bijan then? Like, the first couple of weeks, everyone thought he was the next fantasy monster, and he has been nowhere. They haven't um, been getting them involved. I will say, we we talked about this like about a month ago when I first joined the pod. Um, the Falcons really just need to get the ball to their playmakers, and here we are again. I don't know Drake London, but Kyle Pitts, nothing. Bijan, nothing. Like, what are we doing when your best players aren't touching the ball? When you don't have a great offense to begin with, it, it just doesn't make sense to me. Um, but the other side of that, I don't know if you want to get into the Vikings, but I made a oh, yeah. comment with the people of the people I was watching the game with on Sunday, and I was looked at funny. I honestly think Joshua Dobbs is in the argument for most improved player. Even for <laughs> Arizona, they didn't win a lot of games. They won one game actually versus the Cowboys, but besides that. Like he balled out. He he's playing unbelievable this season. And I think Joshua Dobbs is a very underrated quarterback. And I'm glad I love when quarterbacks get their career career uh, rejuvenalized. And I really think Joshua Dobbs can lead this team to a playoff spot, especially with Justin Jefferson coming back and the weekend at uh, NFC North. I I really think the Vikings are in a good spot. I, I agree with what Nico said because I said this. I literally said this that. Joshua Dobbs was the spark of that Cardinals offense. Like, legitimately, I literally said that. He goes over there. He doesn't have an A1 game. 
an A plus game or even like a B plus game, but his B minus C plus was still better than what was going on on the like you know so like as players get, were getting hurt throughout this game too. Yo, KJ Osborne for instance, nasty sandwich, but luckily he looks like he's gonna be okay. Ridiculous, like like I said, this is the week of injuries because there was hella there was hella fucking there was hella injuries in the the Viking in the Titans game too. So when we're looking at it like and that um I hope that quarterback is good for the for the Vikings because he took a mean hit. I mean I don't know why he kind of didn't just like continue to go towards the pylon like the little like the but like I think that was he, just a rookie quarterback mistake. He took a mean hit. I hope he's okay. Hope he recovers really well from that. But like I said, his B B minus C plus game was still better. It was good enough to win the game. Great win, actually. Like he had like an interception that was you could tell, like it was just out of like fear, I guess. He like I would fumbled the ball. He had a couple mistakes. But aside from that, he won them the game. Um I don't want to jump through the roof yet, but he is a solid, like he's a he, you can see that he gets the ball, like Nico says, to their playmakers. And they get they got the job done in this in this case. So it was a solid win for the Vikings. Um st- like even though it was a good win, please don't pop no champagne yet. Like don't write home, don't write home to mom. Y'all still got work to do. Yeah, like the Raiders this week. Yeah. Oh no, that's not really much work. Sorry. Sorry, Alex. <laughs> the cigars and everything. But hey. Whatever whatever rocks your boat, as they say. And um, let's go. Let's go talk about Josh Dobbs old team, the Cardinals. They scored a total of zero points. And um, in this game where Clayton Toon started, so they're clearly making it known that they are tanking starting Clayton Toon. And uh, the Browns scored 27 points on them. Uh, I mean, yeah, Deshaun Watson played his best game probably since uh, he became a Brown. And they just took care of business against Arizona, who just doesn't care right now. But Kyler Murray's coming back, so cool. Anything? Anyone have anything to say about these two teams? I don't blame you if you don't. But the Browns is trying to, uh, you know, make a run for the playoffs. Yeah, I I really thought this was a tough tough matchup for Arizona when you're a bad offense like that going against a defense and a defense online of that caliber, you're in for a nightmare of three hours and they were like McDaniels coaching. <laughs> I know. He, um, it was so fascinating. It was, um, <laughs> sorry, sorry. Um, Yes, it just sucked. Uh, you, this was just all about fantasy, fantasy and gambling. Yeah, this game sucked. This game was trash. Um, I, I don't even understand. Like it, 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 it was it was the Cardinals versus the Browns. Deshaun Watson's best game. It was it was come on, like seriously, it was the Cardinals. Like I said, they lost their spark. Like there's there's no one over there trying to win games for them. Like you know what I'm saying, like. You know, like I said, is. they started Clayton Tune. What what else does I have to say? And he did not, and he wasn't Joshua Jobs. So, um, that's really all we have to say there. But the Saints and Browns, Tyson Bagnett gave the Saints a scare. 
but the Saints regrouped on offense and took care of business. Um, I like Tyson Bagnett. I like the push he's making. It shows that, you know, even Division Two players can make it in the NFL with the right opportunity. And he did play really well. The Bears, you know, the Saints did not play well in the first half. They were giving plenty of chances. It was tied coming into it. But the Bears didn't score in the second half. So, um, you know, what does it really all mean? I, again, no Hayden, no Hayden, which would have helped who somehow believes the Saints are going to make it to the Super Bowl. But, um, you know, at least here, if you're having a trouble against the Bears at home, I mean, what what else does this, what could it mean for legitimate teams coming into it? Yo, yo, hated my good buddy. You picked the Saints for the Super Bowl. I'm still, I'm still mad about that take, dog. <laughs> what do you guys have to say about the Saints? We know the Bears are um, regrouping. Uh, the the Bears are rebuilding, um, and we'll just enjoy Tyson Bagnet until Justin Fields comes back, so he can get more stats. So the Bears are the Bears, but the Saints, I think, are um, showing they're not that good. Either. What was this? Derek Carr's best game? <laughs> I mean, he's played better, but um No, I'm just and, talking and up. and then the defense, the defense I the def- Saints defense is good though. But they are. um but the, but but I still think this the the Saints have some work to do. Simple as he has that. Yeah. I think the Saints they're still gonna be somewhere around a five hundred team until the remainder of the year, I think they got to make some offseason moves. But I mean, Carr played a clean game. They just didn't. They just don't have like that explosiveness that they had, like right when like Alvin Kamara came into the league and uh, Michael Thomas came into the league. Like he didn't even get one touch. And I don't know if it's hurt. He's hurt, but they just don't have that pop that they used to have with the offense. I think the Saints defense is good enough to keep him games, um, but. They're just um, they're they're a 500 team masquerading certain weeks as a false promise of like a, a first round uh, playoff you know appearance in the NFC and I just don't see it. Yeah, I think I think Alex said it perfectly. Um, I mean, they might be able to sneak in with that weak division, but they're they're not going anywhere. They're, they're just they're not it, and they're they're missing. They're missing that. They're missing when Michael Thomas came out from Ohio State. Like he was explosive. He was the guy who's a top receiver in fantasy. He was a top receiver considerably in the NFL. And then here we are down the road. He's not even getting targets. Wow. Four years later, it's only been in the NFL since I want to say 2018, 2019. Don't quote me on it, but yeah, he hasn't been a long time ago. Long time ago. Then we have the Packers and the Rams play. Packers won 20-3. Jordan Love finally played a, a good game for the first time in a few weeks. They snapped their losing streak. Brett Rippon wasn't Matthew Stafford. There was no offense whatsoever for the Rams in this. What do we have to say? Uh, quick takeoff for me. Um, Jordan Love looked solid, really poised. Um, he held his own against the uh, a pretty rough defense because that front line for for LA is pretty mean. Um, I can't really knock the Rams too much because it wasn't Matthew Stafford. So I'm gonna just say it was a good one for the it was a good one for the Packers. They pretty much needed that. Carson Wentz is a Ram now. 
But who cares? Thank you. I, I, like you said it, and I thought it was going to change something, but <sighs> yeah, it's still news, right? But uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you wanted Cooper Cup and Puka Nuka to uh, go ham for you, t- sorry, Brett Rippin was not looking confident out there, um, throwing over receivers, running away like a uh, hyena running from a lion. Uh, it was not not a good game against two bad. It was not a good game with uh, two bad teams playing. Simple maybe, maybe maybe Wentz does give them a little bit better chance, maybe. But we will see about that. Like I'm not big. I'm not big on Wentz in any in any scenario. It's it's so weird too because all right, this Ram team on paper with especially the surprise of Nuka coming up, and you know the defense was still pretty this defense still's got something left. Aaron Donald is is still playing at a high level. But you know, they knew coming into this that they were going to take a few years back after giving up all their assets to uh win that Super Bowl two years ago. But um I mean it's just too bad for the Rams. They just got a they got a long road ahead of them. And Matthew Stafford's old. This injury, uh, I think he has one more year after next year on his contract. He's probably on his way out. They they're on the they're probably looking for a quarterback um, in this draft. They're just waiting for you know the season end. I guess it's just again it's they just shouldn't have won a few games earlier on. But this team isn't really going anywhere. I think I think I think if um. Sean McVay doesn't end this season gracefully. I still go back to my original uh, premise that he goes back to college. I think that he could coach really well in college. I think like we could talk about it on tomorrow's episode, but I think that he, um, I think that might be his future if they don't, if they don't end this season with like a, a soft landing. Makes sense. Makes sense. Um, Anything else, Dad? Can I piggyback off about Alex? I'm sorry, let me cut you off, Matt. My, oh, you're good. My, is my audio okay? I'm sorry, let me know. <laughs> it's um, it's a it's a little faulty. I don't know if you saw uh, the Manny cast yesterday. You have the Arnold Schwarzenegger Wi-Fi. Okay, well, I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll go back to myself. I'm sorry, boys. My bad. No, you're good. We're just experimenting. Uh, it's really no problem at all. But um. Get down. <laughs> I think I think you're working now, Nico. You hear us? Can you hear me? Sorry, I don't mean to interrupt the podcast, boys. No, I hear you. It's just it's just the it's, you're moving fine, but your voice isn't for whatever reason. But you know, right. well, I just want for the viewer. I, I'll go back to the cell phone. All Sorry. good, all good. You're right. No problem. No problem. But. Moving on to that, why don't we talk about we only have two more games to go and then your picks. The Colts and the Panthers played. The Colts defense had two pick sixes, held Bryce Young on the road, and they snap a three-game losing streak. Good job, Gardner Minshew. Yay, Panthers stink. But the Colts aren't um, doing much either, so what do we have to say? Nothing to write home about, but it was a good one for Gardner. Yeah, three picks for Bryce ain't going to do it. And um, they kind of just gave the game away. The Colts didn't have to do too much on offense. They just kind of rode, uh, rode the mistakes of Carolina. Um, yeah. I still 
I still like this this Colts team though. I think that AFC South is wide open. We're we're kind of raving home about um, CJ Stroud, Houston, but I think they're just a little too ahead of schedule. I think that when it comes down to the Colts being in the division, I think that the Colts might humble them towards the end of the year, and um, they're just a better roster at the moment. And take away two pick sixes from Kenny Moore, and that score looks different. What do we think about Bryce Young in his first nine games as an NFL starter? Number first, number one overall pick. What kind of grade would you give him from A to A to F? D minus. I don't want to do that to him, yo, because it's not fair. Because I feel like on a better offense, the kid would shine a little better. I disagree, so. and the only reason why I disagree, bars, is with that being. I don't mean that. I was really excited. I'm so happy I got the opportunity to talk about this. Um, <laughs> Bryce Young is what I think we thought CJ Stroud was going to be. I thought CJ Stroud coming into the league, I really thought we had all these question marks about him. Ohio State wasn't dominant necessarily the past few years, and I really think that's what we thought. And CJ Stroud right now is what we thought Bryce Young was going to be. That's that's my take on the whole situation is I think Bryce Young, CJ Stroud's not doing it with weapons either, and CJ Stroud's putting up, He's averaging 313 yards a game right now or something crazy. Yeah. And, uh, and, and I just think if that's the excuse, and that's the excuse I've been hearing on ESPN all week this week, well, he doesn't have weapons. He's going to get weapons. You're going to let him develop. CJ Stroud's in the same boat, and he's balling out. And he has a harder schedule so far through these first nine weeks of the season. He's got a fossil of a receiver over there in Adam Thielen. Who else has he got to throw the ball to? DJ Moore? Come on. Stop playing with me. DJ Moore really got to look at it. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Yeah, but like, he, so ooh, sorry. Um, CJ Stroud's throwing the Tank Dell. Tank Dell, which is Nico Collins and, and Noah Brown. And, yeah, and and Matthew Stafford was just throwing the Puka Nakua, and we see how that <laughs> turned out. Okay. And we see and we see how that turned out for the boy. So listen, we really got to look at it. It, it on top. All right, so he's so he's throwing it to nobody, but CJ Stroud is making making his weapons. He's putting them in the position to like do what they can do. He's not throwing them the ball in awkward positions, getting them tackled out of to like getting getting them hurt up. You gotta really look at like CJ Stroud, even even when you go back and look at his college tape. I didn't watch much of his college tape, but when they were showing his highlights, um coming up to the draft, you can see how accurate the guy was. You can see his playmaking ability. They were just really knocking um his height and the fact that like you said, they weren't that dominant. But look what he's doing. He's winning games, managing. Zach Wilson could have do it. I, I want to hear, Alex, what's your take on Bryce Young? Well, I wouldn't have drafted him for his height, to be honest. I think you have less to work with, um, you know, in terms of how you, you know, you scout and you coach him. Um, I think he's a more limited quarterback. And I don't, I just don't trust. We talk about concerns with like Ohio State quarterbacks. I don't really trust Bama quarterbacks either. So it's kind of like the same problem. Um, uh, I think that he's in a but in the same breath, like he's in a tough position because that team is bereft of any talent. And um, I think that he's just kind of getting like linebackers thrown at him week after week and he's kind of running around. So it's kind of tough when you have no one to throw to and no run game. That was a great word. I love that. Barrage. Love that. All right. Let us talk about the final game, and then we're going to do our new style pick segment. So 
The Washington Commanders went to New England. They won. They beat the Pats by a score of 20 to 17. It was actually back and forth, and it was a great game. But uh, Mac Jones was himself again, or at least himself in 2023, uh, 2022. <laughs> Throws a pick to Jertavius Murray in the end zone, and Washington gets a nice big victory. Now, the Commanders, I still think, you know, they, they were sellers. They're not going anywhere. But the thing about here is the Pats. There was a report by the Boston Globe today that if the Colts lose, if the Colts defeat the Patriots in Germany, Robert Kraft will dismiss Bill Belichick. I mean, if you're asking me, I think that report is BS. You at least you at least let Bill Belichick and finish his final season in New England. You do not fire Bill Belichick midseason. Like what I think I thought that report was ridiculous. Now clearly there needs to be a change in New England. And Bill Belichick gave them the best run possible. But I think Nico, you alluded to it. He needs to go to Los Angeles and be the Chargers head coach. If they if there's a good chance Brandon Staley's going to be dismissed and you put Bill Belichick with that quarterback, with those weapons, um, there's a good chance that he can win a Super Bowl with them. But having said that, what do you think about that report that comes out about the Patriots firing Bill Belichick midseason? The, I, I'm pretty sure, and don't quote, but then I think they just extended his contract for a couple of years. That's then, what then, he said, yes, to add on to that. He said it in a press conference last week that it was reported that he re-signed a long-term extension. So what is this true story? We're getting conflicting reports here. I I honestly think what they have to do, and I know I'm going to be in the wrong with this take. I know Alex and Hayden um, and possibly Bars. I don't know your direct opinion on it, too. Um, I really think Belichick just needs to go all in on one role. Whether he's a GM, whether he's a head coach, I think that's the issue at stake right now. I think we've seen it so many times. We saw Bill O'Brien try it with the Texans. It is an impossible task to do. It's impossible. It can't happen. I think Bill Belichick is still the answer. He is still my GOAT when it comes to the NFL coaching. Um, I I just think either way they're going to figure it out. Um, I personally think he needs to be a coach. You need to get a GM in there. You need to rebuild this team from the ground up. And I think Bill Belichick is the perfect guy to do that. Um, with that being said, I keep seeing these reports as well. And I just think people just love talking about the Patriots. I just yeah, think there's nothing right. to talk about them right now because how bad they are. And I just think it's an excuse to keep talking about the team. Um, and yeah, I mean, that's my take. And on the game itself, I was just the whole year. I keep believing in this Patriots team and I don't know why every single week I find myself logging in the FanDuel and betting on them. And I just, I can't stop. I'm like addicted to betting on the Patriots. Man, uh, man, Nico, you, you might have to uh, put a kibosh on that, as they say. <laughs> but, but, I have to put a kibosh on that whole take. I mean, I just don't see it with I don't see it with Belichick. First of all, the whole proposition that he's going to go to the Chargers, some other team, is just not going to happen because his entire career has been made on Brady's success. Um, he has a losing record outside of Brady, and I think that'll continue. Um, I think he's at the age where he's content either walking away on his own terms or 
retire or retiring for that matter. So either he's going to get fired gracefully behind closed doors with Kraft, or um, he's going to walk away at his own at his own leisure. Um, but with that being said, I, I agree with the premise that Nico said that like he has to be all in on one thing. You can't have your energy and focus bifurcated as both a GM role and, you know, either a coach or down the line somewhere, an offensive coordinator um, or a defensive coordinator, like whatever role you play, you can't have it. Uh, you can't have it both ways because it just dilutes your role in both, both of those regards. So, um, but with that being said, I just think that the game's gotten away from him. I think his, his role, his method is too antiquated. And when you don't have your whipping boy, like Brady, um, you're going to get exposed as time goes by. And I just think that, um, these guys don't buy in the way they used to, and I don't think that you can keep whiffing on draft picks and buying guys for pennies on the dollar on the back half of their career at the skill position to compete with the AFC East, let alone the AFC. Here's the thing. I think Bill Belichick is going to for that win, that career wins record. He wants to have the most career wins as a head coach. He's at 300. Number one's Don Shula at 328. He's 28 wins away. He's 71 years old. He's been a professional coach for close to 50 years. I think he is going to do it like uh, um, Bear Bryant and literally play, get that record until he dies. Like he literally, his final year at Bama, he said he retired and then he died like a month later. Um, Not to be morbid like that, but I think that's how Bill Belichick's going to go. I think he's going for that record. And whether that is the Chargers or the uh, Patriots, I think that's truly on his mind. He's a true football lifer. I don't disagree with that. I just don't think he's going to get there. 28 wins is an eternity when you have a bad team. So I think that, you know, like you could extrapolate that out. That could take three seasons. I mean, it's just they're that bad. So I agree with Alex's whole take. But that's why it also would make sense to go to the Chargers, though, with an up-and-coming team. And, you know, they set some playoff experience before there. And it could be the coach coming in to make the difference. Ultimately, we do, we don't know what he wants to do. I mean, the guy just broke up with his girlfriend, and maybe this is the thing that is his ultimate distraction. And has a you know admirable goal to have that. He still has to pass George Hollis too, at three eighteen. So you know, rising up the ranks, at least get two more wins out of this season to get closer to it. And you know, I think he's more of a young uh, seventy one than an old one. So let's let's finish. Let's uh, wrap this up. Let's do our pick segment. So this is how the picks are going to work from now on. So as much as we love to go through every single game, it is timely. So now the way it works is all three of us are bringing three games and we are going to pick over unders and um, the spread that way. So, um, for instance, here's me, my first of three picks. What? A what a spread this is going to be, and I'm going to talk about my team here. The New York Giants are going to Dallas. The two and seven Giants and the five and three Cowboys. They, the Dallas Cowboys, are favored by minus sixteen and a half points. The over under is thirty eight and a half. What an embarrassing point to be 16 and a half point underdogs, even against the Patriots. My favorite spread of all time, minus 14. I'll be reckoned that 
completely two different situations, but 16 point underdogs and they're not going to hit it. This team is that bad. And the offense is that horrible that I think the Cowboys could actually cover that. And you know what? They may literally be, be the only team scoring in this game. So we're going with Nico and going in under here, under 38 and a half. What a sad situation for the Giants to be in. Bars, what's your first game that you're picking? Um, also, I'm also going to go ahead and go with my team as well. Um, Packers versus Steelers. I'm going to go with the... Uh, with the Steelers on this one, I'm going to say that we take advantage of, uh, like, you know, a somewhat, like, weak Packers offense, and we have a big game defensively, but we also come alive on the offensive side, another big running game. But I feel like Kenny Pickett throws at least three touchdowns, goes for at least 300 yards. I feel like we – I think this is the game we finally break 400. Um, I don't know about the over-under for this one. The over-under is 39 and a half, and the spread is minus three for the Steelers. I think they cover that. Easy. Perfect. And you think over 39 and a half points? Yeah, I'm going to go over 39 and a half. Great. All right, Alex, what's your first game? Um, I was looking at the Browns going to Baltimore. I think this is the week that... Uh, Ravens get a little speed bump. I like the Browns playing them tough. Um, I know the Ram. I mean the Ravens are getting six, but uh, I, I think the I think the Browns can cover. I think they can keep it tight. Um, I'm not sure what the over under total is, but yeah, it's thirty seven and a half. Thirty seven and a half is very high. Um, I see this as most scoring game with that Browns defense. Um, I think that they can they can they could put the Ravens on lock. I, I would definitely take the over here, but I like the the Browns to uh, to cover and to to win outright. Nico. The number one play of the week is the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, Kyler Murray back. They're getting two at home versus an Atlanta Falcons team that I just think is not great. Um, they just, I don't know if it's a coaching thing or a team thing, or just not getting the ball to their playmakers. Um Arizona's been right there in almost every game besides, I mean, versus the Browns last week, and there was a game a couple weeks ago where they got blown out, but they, they've been a lot better, even though they were one in seven or whatever, um, than we anticipated, I think. And I think that missing piece was Kyler Murray. Right. Next game I'm going f- with the Tennessee Titans are going to play the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Tampa is opening at minus one and a half. Your over-under is 38 and a half. Give me the Tennessee Titans as your underdog plus one and a half. I think Will Levis can um, add on to a very good game against the Steelers, an even better game the week the week prior. And I think um, with a Bucks team at home, that seems to be a little lost, especially on defense. They've lost four in a row. I think they're going to add to it against a Titans team that has a lot of momentum happening right now. Uh, Titans, they're going to upset the Buccaneers, and we're going to go over 38 and a half. I think Will Levis can have a, a great game offensively, maybe actually get some touchdowns this time. And though Baker Mayfield might be able to make a little bit of a push, I still think Tennessee prevails on the road. Um, my second game is going to be 49ers versus Jags. Um, 
after coming off the bye, I want to see if the 49ers, like, prove everyone to be, like, you know, the team that they, you know, claim to be. But ultimately, I personally have the Jags winning this one. Um, and the, the 49ers continue to fall apart. That's just me. Cool. San Francisco's opening at minus three. San Francisco minus three and over-under is 45 and a half. Uh, I'm asking to go with the under on this one. And I don't think San Francisco will make that. Okay. I liked, um, I like the four. I had that game as well. Um, I like the 49ers to cover and I like the over because of the reasons that we mentioned. Um, they're coming off the bye. They're going to be fresh and spry. Um, and they're going to be on the road, yes, and they're going to be on the East Coast, yes, but I just think that that's enough time for them to recoup, give two weeks to Kyle Shanahan, they're going to get it right. But they, it's, it's San Fran, you know, it's pretty. the temperature's like, what, pretty decent over there? Well, it's in Jacksonville. So, uh, well, I mean, but I mean, like, the 49ers playing San Fran, right? That's warm weather. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, it's not, so I, they're, not looking to, they're not looking to come to, like, you know, bad weather. They should, I feel right. like, so I'm pretty... As much as I think the 49ers are going to do good, I think the Jazz got it. Uh, uh, my second pick is in uh, the Sunday Night Football Classic of the Year, the Jets versus the Raiders. Uh, <laughs> give, give, give me the under. Um, and my reasoning for this, I believe it's 38 and a half right now. I had it at when I looked this morning. Um, That's right. It is. I, I, the way the Jets' defense made – uh, Herbert look last night where Herbert, even though they got the dub, did not look anything like the Justin Herbert we're accustomed to seeing. Imagine what they're going to do to these Raiders quarterbacks. But on the hindsight of that, I, I really think this Raiders defense is very underrated. Um, I think this Raiders defense has some ballers. Um, obviously, Crosby's a freak, and I just really think this is going to be like a 13-10. Chris Collinsworth's going to tell stories how he's a tight end at Cincinnati Bengal type game. I like it. My final game that I'm going to pick is the New Orleans Saints and the Minnesota Vikings, where the Saints are minus two and a half point favorites on the road in Minnesota. Your over-under is 41 and a half. And give me the Minnesota Vikings getting the upset victory. I think Josh Dobbs coming back at home where Minnesota is loving this guy. The Minnesota Vikings, if they could be seven and four after a rough start after Kirk Cousins injury after Cam Akers injury. I still think this team keeps fighting and Kevin O'Connell's actually showing, wow, this is a really good coach. And one thing I forgot, we should have mentioned is a very good coaching job by Kevin O'Connell who completely changed the offense. When Josh jobs comes in, I think with the saints who seem to be such a mystery and just barely go beating the bears, I think Minnesota can easily take advantage, give Joshua Dobbs this start, and give Joshua Dobbs this win. And um, Minnesota is taking the victory and making the upset. And you guys made over 41 and a half. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there. Yo, you managed to pick two games that I considered putting on my list, but I'm going to go with um, Lions and the Chargers on this one. By the uh, way, if you don't mind me, you could pick. we could pick the same games. That's totally fine, but um, just want to let you know that for future. No, no, I figure I figured we could, oh, yeah. but like it, it's just I it's like there was a there was a there was a there was a bunch of games I considered. Thanks. But I I ultimately I landed down on these three, but I considered the last two that you said though. I'm not gonna lie. Perfect. Um, but I landed on um Chargers, Lions, because I need Herbert to prove himself. But I got the Lions winning this. What's the over under? 
The over-under for Lions and Chargers is 48 and a half points. That's kind of high. I'm actually going to go take that. I'm going to take the over, but I'm going to go with the line. Got a little shootout going. Okay. I hope for it. I hope for it. I want it. <laughs> yeah, I had um, I had Saints Vikings too. Um, for all the reasons that Matt said, I, I think Dobbs going home. They're sitting at five and four. They they're looking at you know reclaiming their their territory, their 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 grasp on the NFC North. Um, uh, I think that they could they could take care of business at home. Um, two and a half for the same seems a little generous, especially the way they played last week against Chicago. So um, I like the Vikings going home with the riding the momentum with that home crowd. Uh, Dobbs gets another week under his, uh, his, his feet with reps. And uh, I think they're going to look a lot better on offense. Nico, to finish it off. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Believe it or not, that was also one of mine. It's not the one I was going to mention, but um, I, I, I do. And they, that game circles for me this Sunday. I'm very excited to see that game, and I hope there is a high-scoring game there. Um, but my third play that I will be definitely betting will be um, Cincinnati-Houston. Give me the over, 48-and-a-half. Um, earlier in the week, this opened up at 45-and-a-half. We're only three days removed from the lines coming out, and it already went up three-and-a-half points. Um, this is one good. of those – this is one of those games where I think it's just going to be a shooter. Burrow, Stroud, back and forth, and I'm excited to see it on Sunday. All right, gentlemen. Well, with that, that wraps up week nine of the NFL. Let's look ahead to week 10. Good stuff ahead, and I'm really excited for what's to come. Thank you so much. Great work from Alex, Bars, and Nico. See you tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. This is a very productive conversation. Great stuff, everybody. Awesome show. Don't forget to like and subscribe to the Productive Conversations podcast on all podcasts and platforms and YouTube. And don't forget to check out exclusive content regarding this show across all social media platforms. We're on Instagram, at Productive Conversations Podcast. Twitter at X at ProcOvalPod. We're on TikTok at Productive Conversations. And Facebook at Productive Conversations. So we will see you tomorrow with a college football show. And we're going to do a little college basketball as well. So nice action-packed college sports podcast so we're very excited for that so mostly college football and then we will uh, make very early future picks for the college basketball season and we're going to like that and guess what so the way it's going to work the three show a week structure has been doing very well for us and we will likely keep on doing it so the plan for now is obviously we'll always do our Wednesday show for the NFL. Then, you know, it goes into Tuesday once the playoffs start. But the college football show, you know, we will ride that out. We have bowl season coming up and the crucial and biggest rivalry games are about to take place in the month of November. So once we head into bowl season and the college football playoff, we will ride that out up until the beginning of next year. And then once January takes place, mid-January, the national championship will happen. And then from there, we will, after the national championship and talking about the Heisman Trophy winner, we will then turn the college football show into a college basketball show. So our, our weekly college football show will transition to a both 
college football and college basketball show throughout December, talking the bowl games and then, you know, early college basketball. Then from there, when January rolls around, we have the uh, college football playoff and then the big New Year's Bowls, uh, you know, those the big bowls, the Cotton Bowl, the Orange Bowl, the Rose Bowl, then that, then those games turn into, are the college football playoff and then the national championship game will take place usually in mid-December. And then from there, we will just have, when, uh, we will just have Thursday be our college basketball show. So, yes, pretty exciting stuff there. So we will ride out the winter doing that. And then we will obviously go through March there. And, yeah, and then the NBA will be a weekly coverage situation. So we will cover the NBA on a weekly basis. But mainly after the holiday season and, you know, mainly after – the NFL season comes to an end in mid-February. But yeah, a lot of good stuff's happening that we will keep the three sh- we will keep doing three shows a week and yeah, we will have one show dedicated to college sports, another show dedicated to the NBA, and then we will do our pop culture and news tweet cap on Fridays. And you know, Throughout the winter, we, you will likely see a baseball off-season show thrown in there, especially if there's any big off-season moves or to clown the Yankees and stuff like that. And, you know, yeah, then obviously the winter is also Oscar season, so we have to figure out how to function that in as well. But we're going to be busy and we're going to love it. And, you know, hopefully we can still have Chris Bailey be available because he's still on strike with SAG. But we'll figure it out. Regardless, I just want to let you know, three shows a week are still going to happen even after football season. We would just transition basketball and baseball into that. And, yeah, so it'll be very, very good. And we're looking forward to it. But regardless, I want to thank everybody who was on the show today. I want to thank Dolo Ren, a.k.a. Alex DeJesus, for what he does behind the scenes. And I want to thank you, the greatest fans and listeners in the world, for supporting us no matter what. And being the best podcast fan base anybody can ask for. Oh, by the way, we made the decision that January we're switching to a higher definition. Everybody's upgrading their cameras for January. So 2024, we are leveling up with this show. So we're excited for that. So good things to come, but let us enjoy the moment. Regardless, my name is Matt Brown. I am the host of the Productive Conversations podcast. And don't forget to check in on your friends and family. And I will see you tomorrow talking all things college football and all things college basketball. So we will see you tomorrow and have a wonderful rest of your day. It is good to be back and appreciate your help. All right. We will see you soon. Peace.